done. Yeah, I'm just looking up. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, okay. All right. Here, I'll, I'll read it this time. So, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the podcast, the Just Pick Something podcast, where we discuss movies and TV shows and maybe at some point something different like short films or YouTube movies or something. But this time we're going to talk about Love, Death, and the Robots, specifically season three of the anthology series. All the episodes were adaptations of very short stories, but some of them are actually original stories for the show. If you want to read the stories that they were adapted for the show, I made a list that you can reference in the description. But but at the time of this episode, you can stream it on Netflix, and I'm really happy they haven't canceled the series because I love it. I'm a huge fan of this series, man. Are you? Um, so I watched a couple episodes of the first series season that I really enjoyed. The first season was the longest in like 18 episodes. Yeah, so I watched like a couple. Season two, I heard a lot of like mixed to bad things about so i pretty much like <laughs> stayed away from it yeah and then this season it was fairly fresh and i was like you know what some of these look pretty neat mm-hmm. animation wise and i didn't really give it a fair shake in the last two seasons so like let's see what season three has if i enjoy it and so w- did you enjoy it from here like what do you think of season three so far so, i mean season three was solid overall i i'm i would like to say that probably two or three of the episodes didn't like jive with me entirely but for the most part either the episodes were like solid or I very much enjoyed them. That's cool. But I think like, yeah, like two or three of them, I'm like, eh, I don't know how I feel about it. Especially, I think there's one episode that we'll get to that's like, I feel like I'd be contentious in regards Ooh. to how I feel about it. I wonder which one it is. I have a guess because if it's the one I'm thinking about, there's been a few mixed reactions to that specific episode. But overall, I really love the series. When it was announced, I was like, oh shit, an anthology series is going to have something to do with sci-fi or death or like you know i was like hell yeah man sign me up i think i watched the first season pretty soon after it came out like I don't think I binge watched it all in one go, but I did finish it pretty quickly. And then, you know, season two came out super hype. It was also kind of a mixed bag. It wasn't that episodes varied in like dramatic quality. It was that, you know, they didn't really announce that season two was going to be significantly shorter. So season one had 18 season two had eight yeah it felt almost like not only was like the quantity so much lessened but some of the the episodes in season two were significantly shorter too which isn't a bad thing but when you just come from season one and then right into season two kind of want like more meat on that bone you know yeah i guess the curation could be a little bit better in regards to that yeah so you're just like oh well that's kind of disappointing it was just like, oh no, I guess it is what it is. So when season three came out and they're mostly longer episodes of, I would say, slightly better quality stories, I was super hyped and it was super awesome to see. Yeah, I think, uh, have, again, not having like a real basis for opinion on the first two seasons, I felt like this was fairly well-crafted and coordinated mm-hmm. in regards to like putting together like uh, a series of, of uh, vignettes and stuff. Yeah, animated anthology right. episodes. Yeah, so I was like, okay, yeah, like they, they curated this pretty well. They gave you like the appropriate like okay this one's long this one's not as long like you didn't feel like you, you I never felt like it was like oh man I have to really take my time with that one like ne- they they never felt like a steep drop off in regards to like oh man like this is just like a terrible follow up to that last episode mm-hmm. it felt like okay everything flowed and if there was like a tone shift it was like oh this was like kind of helpful after yeah. that episode to like shift to this to like ramp back up into certain ideas yeah you know? like some some of the episodes felt like pilot cleansers almost when you were watching yeah. right very much yeah for sure for me the things i think from the show and in general that 
I really enjoy watching are sometimes when I'm left wanting to watch it again or feeling like there's something just clicked with me, you know? And in this in this anthology series specifically, I've mentioned to you before, but one of my favorite episodes was Zima Blue in season one. So I was really excited to, you know, come back to the show and have this feeling of hopefully watching something that leaves me feeling existentially pondering about stuff. But I was just like, if that doesn't happen, it's still going to be a pretty good sh- entertaining watch, you know? Yeah. So do you want to start from the top? Yeah, actually, I wanted to know, did on your Netflix queue, was it the first episode uh, called the one with the robots? Yes. Um, yeah, three robots exit strategy. Yep. Yeah, same here. And I was actually kind of really surprised to see that the first episode was a sequel to a, uh, another episode. I, I assume that's because, I mean, for like a casual viewer, again, like oh, having only watched a couple episodes, mm-hmm. like when I think Love, Death and Robots, I actively think about the three robots episode from season one. Dude, it's a, it's such a good episode. I love that episode with those three characters. I would love to watch a, a show just about these three uh, robots navigating through like a post-apocalyptic world. Yeah. Even though they would have to do something a little different to maintain, you know, a story that can span a season of TV. If it's really well into this like one episode or two episode and done kind of thing, mm-hmm. you get what it is trying to say. You get what the whole premise and the, the fun about it. But I was still like, oh shit, a sequel. That's awesome. Hell yeah, let's see it. Yeah, I, I I didn't know that like most of them not get sequels, or is it just no, no, not really. They're like I think they're all one-offs. This was the only sequel that I could remember. Yeah. Okay. If, if you want, like, okay, direct sequel, there are returning animators or like production styles. Yeah. That come back, so you can you know say that some of them maybe feel like a spiritual sequel, right? Like yeah. in this like season, thematically or like speaking like visually, they're yeah, stylized or like tone-wise. You know, you're like, oh man, that was just like that one episode you know yeah but yeah this is i think the only direct sequel okay i mean i liked it it was fun it was a nice like way to step into the to the series because again it felt it feels fairly familiar i didn't even have to worry about like okay like what did i miss what what kind of stuff am i looking forward to and it's like, okay, here you go. You got, you remember these guys. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually surprised. I, you saying that this is like the, the only sequel they have. I'm surprised that each season doesn't have like an episode with these guys. Mm-hmm. Because that's what I would have assumed. I would have assumed every season had. Because these three are so iconic to the brand of Love, Death, Robots. That I, I would have assumed that they made sure that there was an episode of them in every season. Well, they just feel so fully realized as characters, you know? It's what makes me want to see more about them. They just, the dynamic between the trio just works really well, you know? Yeah, and like if it were to be a show, you would probably have to give one of them an ongoing plot. But other than that, man, it's just great to see these characters bounce off each other. Even though I think this episode was a little like mean spirited at certain things, but at the same time, it was pretty funny. Yeah, I think it was. I, I think it's. I, I do like the dark humor of it. Mm-hmm. Personally, I thought it was kind of like. <sighs> What a little on the, the nose or something? Yeah, a little on the nose. That's pretty much my main com- my main complaint would be is this like you you kind of knew where everything was going. Mm-hmm. There was never really anything that was like super shocking about anything. Yeah, but it was also like you guys didn't really like it. It is familiar and it is easy, so it's like a nice first episode. Yeah, it. I mean, it doesn't really go anywhere new or tread new ground with this episode, right? It's mostly a rehash of the first episode that came out, right? Three robots having fun, being a silly in the post-apocalyptic setting you kind of get hints of what happened around the world to have caused this and then you get a really cool fun reveal at the very end right it works better in the first episode because you're like fresh and you don't know anything that's going on and in the sequel you kind of already have that primer so it feels like you're just get to it's like an episode you get to enjoy seeing this core dynamic again 
you know, and just be like, oh, that was fun. All right, next one, you know? Yeah. I, I will say, like, um, it was pretty funny seeing the, I guess, expansion of some of the lore of, like, why humanity died, you know? Yeah. Like, in the first episode, it was kind of just like, oh, yeah, it was pretty clear this happened or this, the hubris man, whatever. It was kind of funny being like, oh, yeah, these tech billionaires, they thought they could just, you know, use their money and go to the ocean and live without any any societal structure or anything, you know? It's, it's mean-spirited in a way, but it's like, I don't really care if it's being mean to rich people. <laughs> like, fuck them. <laughs> fuck the rich people, man. No, it's it's crazy, like, the idea that, like, it was, it was interesting to see that it did go like progress in terms of like oh these are the poor people these are the rich people and then these are like the crazy rich people yeah <laughs> and so it was fun that, that was fun in the progression i didn't like the ending joke that much i thought it was either it was a little too on the nose i liked it being a cat but it mm. also felt like yeah the elon musk thing was like okay yeah no, that was a little much <laughs> yeah it was pretty funny i think it would have been a little better if they didn't say elon musk if i thought it would have been better if they were just like what did you expect and then it just ends you know yeah because the cats were such a big thing of the first episode mm -hmm. that like having them be the ending joke of the second one is funny in and of itself mm -hmm. and it did it didn't need to have the name drop in there which i think is like an easy and like lazy name drop at this point yeah honestly i mean everyone like fuck elon musk you know <laughs> yeah that's pretty much not everybody's reaction to it is and i'm like yeah now yeah pretty much and you know um i think the if i were to see these guys come back and hopefully or maybe become a series regular like you suggested surprisingly they don't have an episode of these guys in every season like i think it'd be nice to for maybe one of them to find a human and be like oh my god and like you get to see the three different robots react to a human i mean i assumed that we were going to actually see some whatever was left of humanity at that point yeah but like okay i mean yeah that's fine i mean like, <laughs> i mean Hey, that, like I said, that might make a compelling plot line for a potential spinoff if they ever decide to do one. But I'm just hoping they don't cancel the show at this point because Netflix has been in the news right. for just canceling things left and right. Rest in peace, Bone animated series. The amount of people who are leaving Netflix because of the cancellations. Yeah, it's not looking good for them right now. But yeah. <laughs> All right. So the second one for you, was it bad traveling? It was actually. And this was probably one of my favorite of the season. Oh, yeah, by far. I think it was definitely the strongest narrative. Of I mean, all of them. it was a tight story. It was like well done done the voice acting was on point the music cues and the way the sound effects kind of hit at certain moments with like the swelling of the ocean and the reveal of the like monster lurking below the depths it was great man really good lighting i, I liked the uh, there's another episode in here with cg that i'm not a big fan of um that we'll get to it at, at another point but i like the cg in here it's it's very it is similar to like that like uh, like the cg which the the what, what was it called uh like the tintin um i'm trying to uh, think of it too but i know what you mean yeah like it was like the earlier like when they try to do that like real close to photorealism mm -hmm. style but it was still kind of like it was similar to that it reminded me of it but it didn't have like the uncanny valley issue that those did yeah yeah i i know that i think for some people certain styles throughout this anthology series don't mesh with them well but like i really enjoy seeing the different art styles and like animation styles with every episode and in this one i feel like the atmosphere on the seven seas all the like rain and thundering kind of just worked to make you feel kind of i don't know it's like everyone felt wet like miserable you know yeah, like the lighting the textures they all worked really well mm -hmm. i really liked the design of the monster too it felt like a, a combination of like a crab tick thing yeah man thinking of its base 
babies with the little like blood sucking tick bodies. Ugh. Yeah, no, that was disgusting. I hated that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, no, it was uh, <laughs> it was so nasty. But uh, I mean, like I like like oh man, the way that 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 narrative progressed, I was like, man, like this is I like this character is like I don't know if I should trust him because he's clearly like willing to do what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. But like sometimes that's like you don't know. That doesn't necessarily mean he's a good guy, right? Yeah, he might be manipulating everybody else, and that's like the issue that I was like, man, like I don't know if I should trust this dude. I, right? I, I yeah, I really liked how I didn't know what was going to be the end goal, you know, because it was like, well, are they going to get to the destination and there's going to be this huge betrayal, or like, is he really like on their side, or is he on his own side? Is he with the monster? It could go so many different ways. So as the story was playing out, it was just interesting to see those path lines close, you know, and to get that final like betrayal from his one shipmate that was like, I didn't want to go along with the killing you at night and then still kills him anyways you know yeah it was it was felt very much like have you ever played that game werewolf yes yeah it was kind of like oh there's a werewolf among us and it's like who is it and then it's like oh it was me and then everyone dies at the end you know it was great it was it was very much like i when when he killed the two guy the the brothers mm-hmm. i like was the, the moment where i was like wait did he kill those two guys because they actually voted differently or did mm-hmm. he kill those two guys because he knew that they were a liability at that point and it's like it was one of those things where it was like i just the moral gray area of the characters throughout because there are some of the shipmates that i feel like you can kind of like like a little bit yeah i i did like some of the shipmates i was like hoping they wouldn't die right I, I, by the end of the story i wasn't hoping that he'd be the sole remainder survivor i was i was like man i hope this crew gets it out alive somehow right and it just turns yeah. out that it's it was just the one guy all along you know oh but yeah it was I, I and I loved how it ended mm-hmm. because I it, it like it it laid clear like the the character did have good intentions right yeah for sure very very obvious but at the same time you still you felt like oh man like it it had to be this way there was no yeah. way that this was gonna work if he didn't do this it feels like it set you up or primed you to kind of expect this because they all betrayed him at the beginning. So it was kind of like a revenge story almost a bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But it, it was great, man. I think this was an original story adapted for the show. Okay. Yeah. Because the previous I, I, one... I know I've never heard of any of these stories. I do know about one or two of them in regards to like them being short stories. But mm-hmm. this one, I didn't know if it was... Uh, a, a, I thought it was because there's like the quotes at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like that's like a little bit of primer. But I guess... Yeah. yeah I mean, it, I what is this? Like, was this Ridley Scott or something like that? That was no. attached? Um, no, I think... No, uh, they uh David Fincher. David Fincher. Yeah, yeah. They have um returning writers for these stories. Like the previous one was from I think uh, a sequel to the original story for the show, but the original story, Three Robots, was a short story in the book called Robots versus Fairies by Dominic uh, Parsons. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know how much was lifted, you know, text to screen, but I do kind of want to check that out because I really do enjoy those characters. So if there's more of them, like adventures, I might want to read more about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Was the third one, third episode for you, the very pulse of the machine? Yes. I feel like at this point, we can just confirm that I think all the episodes were in order. Yeah. I think three would probably do it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. So the very pulse of the machine. This one was probably the first one that I was like a little mixed on. I just don't know if it was like my, it didn't 
necessarily grab my attention the way I think I, I wish it did. Oh, really, man? I really like this one. I think this was top three for me. I think visually it's gorgeous. It's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. But I mean, like the visual style did a lot for me, man. I, I was just really immersed with that, like stylized atmosphere of the environments and yeah. her like face and the way like her experience kind of changed the like environment around her as she went through this planet it was awesome yeah i mean i liked it visually i liked the, the i guess it didn't resonate with me like on an emotional level mm -hmm. right like thematically i just didn't feel it but i did a pre like yeah like has like this like pop art type style like somewhat like graphic novel comic booky which some people would say i don't know I, I know what you mean it, it felt very much like uh the cell shading of a graphic novel kind of aesthetic this, yeah like the, the, yeah, the old yeah, the old school cell shading yeah i swore there was like a uh, like a frame in it where I, that's what i thought of <laughs> and i was like yeah no that's the style they're going for and i dig it i appreciate that like in animation being able to like bring in a very uh, you know i mean you don't see that style very often in animation to be able to tell this kind of story with it is very is very impressive the very pulse of the machine has like this slight existential feeling which as i mentioned at the beginning i really like when a story does that it leaves me kind of wondering about the you know bigger overall place in the universe kind of thing right and with this story in particular i think one of the things that i really liked about it is they inserted a bit of ambiguity about her journey on the planet because as she's trying to survive right there's that moment where she has to take the choice of does she want the medicine that might cause hallucinations or does she not and she's like i might as well die high so she gets it and then from that point you're like oh is this the hallucination or is it like the bigger overall planet actually being alive in this unusual unexpected way right and yeah. i mean i feel like yeah it might be a little easy to do or a storyline that like isn't the most original but like it really worked for me i really like that ambiguity they put in that it was it was definitely it was interesting to see like how it was presented story-wise like and, and and like the ending i don't know if it meant that it was real or not so i like the ambiguity of it all i just think it was it's just like i know there's like an emotional core to it that for me personally i was like yeah i don't think it hit but i'm not necessarily gonna say it's like a bad it was it was bad if that makes sense yeah i i really like the idea this short was playing with i think maybe it would have landed a little better if there was a little bit more green time or maybe it was extended a little longer in a way where you get to really see her thought process and like the despair of dying on this planet with no help coming you know maybe you just needed a little more something of like the dread of facing your mortality or something for it to land really good or really well but i, th I think it worked really well for however long its runtime was i will say that i think it is based this one is based off an actual like series of uh comics well it might be or with i feel like with sci-fi especially i mean this is this sci-fi story came out in the 1990s right okay but with sci-fi in general like short stories man you you never know if it's a re-adaptation of an older story because man sci-fi authors love referencing other classic sci-fi stuff right like how like how many times has i am legend or the omega man or the last man on earth been like remixed and adapted and put their own style upon you know i like, mean oh man we were to, i was i was listening to someone they're talking about the originality of like people love to say that that art is an original and it was crazy crazy they were like yeah if you didn't know this only two of shakespeare's plays 
or original works not based on prior uh either history or story oh really which one do you know which one those were like i know some obvious ones were like henry the eighth or something you know yeah so henry the eighth obviously is like oh yeah obviously that's based off of henry the eighth uh but like yeah tempest and i don't remember the second one but you know like you, you, when you when you think of like william shakespeare you're like oh yeah william shakespeare he wrote uh romeo and juliet and you're like that's that and he's like oh did you know that romeo and juliet's not an entirely original story by that dude he just ha- he just <laughs> made the most popular version of that story yeah i mean it's not a crazy thing i think it's a little unfair or maybe that like talking point or that subject to bring up to kind of be like oh well, actually did you know this kind of feels a little like i don't know trying to be smart just to one-up someone you know like yeah i mean you could probably say everything is an inspiration behind something else right like the hero's journey circle that people reference yeah. all the time right like someone did research about like how so many stories in our like can be brought back or like digested into a certain formula but i still really like it and i think that's what the fun of adapting is is just keeping things up with the times or changing things or putting your own experiences in it right the your, your enjoyment of something doesn't necessarily have to come from it being original it just happens to be this is a really this, like you can just enjoy the way that they decided to tell a story yeah yeah for sure and like this story i it came out in the 1990s like it was a short story and it probably was adapted or remade or changed in its own way since then you know yeah. like um it would be unsurprising you can actually read it online pretty easily i googled the name of this episode to look into it and it came up like top five google results you know uh but i think this is a good segue talking about originality in regards to like stories you've seen a hundred times oh yeah for sure good point because the the next one night of the mini dead man the amount of times you've seen a zombie story go similar route but i loved this one dude this one was so fun it it was like it's up there Uh, i mean this was a pretty solid season but like what a interesting and creative way to approach a zombie story you know i was like yo like the typical like vibes that you get from zombie stories of like the fear and like the tension and all of that they're like no we stripped all of that away we streamlined the story we put it at this like angle where you're basically playing like it's like you're playing god in this moment and just seeing all these yeah everything is tilt shifted and like yeah. miniatures and stuff it's so fun and i'm like yo, i love <laughs> oh man what a palate cleanser too from the last episode like compared yeah. To that one and this one. Oh man, talk about night and day in tone. Yeah, this is yeah. So <laughs> I was I was talking with someone the other day about this season as well, and I said this was like one of my favorites, and they're like, really? It was like kind of short, and they didn't really do much. And I was like, yeah, but like it was just such a fun way of approaching the subject matter and something you've seen a billion times again we talk about the adaptation of it like this goes up there with like some of my favorite zombie movies just because it felt man it feels like like an entire genre compressed into 15 minutes or however long yeah, it was it, it also felt like you know playing a video game mm-hmm. enjoying like there's like a level of control that you feel in regards to like seeing all these things happen yeah and then, and then it ends and it's like poof. <laughs> God, and it was so funny how they sprinkled all that humor throughout the like mini episode, right? The yeah. short, like just the little bits of the environment kind of uh, making their own jokes, like the statue crushing the guy at the very beginning, or the the zombies becoming radioactive ghouls. Oh man! <laughs> or the president being like "fuck it" and he just launches the nukes or something. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> I, I freaking loved. Yeah, it was so much fun to watch this one. It was so short, but it was so great. This is one of 
an, another like episode that I would love to more of just in a different style or maybe on YouTube or something where it's super highly compressed like takes of genres distilled into like 10 minute miniature formats you know like the zombie one would be great maybe seeing one with like a haunted house or an action movie or something would be just fun like they wouldn't have like the most long lived you know span of time but it'd be so fun to like see that pop up and then be like hey man check this out I'll send you this really funny link to this great series on YouTube or something you know I feel like I feel like this is this this lends itself really well to horror in particular Mm-hmm. because just do this exact same formatting but then you set it at a lake and then say that you know was it a jason was it jason who's a friday the 13th yeah not the first one but the rest of the series yeah, yeah the, the, you know not the first <laughs> one but um but you know you have you like if you compressed all the the friday the 13th films and then put it into this like mini format i feel like it would work perfectly oh yeah oh yeah and like compared to the other episodes right like some of these episodes have such a cool style that you, I, I personally want to aspire to be able to make something of like this quality or level right yeah and this one it feels like the most yeah you could do this at home if you really tried hard enough you know like yeah. you can even do it with like legos like it works and it feels so wow someone hasn't done this before and it's so good i know it felt it felt i was i originally i thought it was like literal like miniatures that they like just did stop motion on and i'm not sure if they did for all for all i know that's what they did and which would have been dope but uh just like yeah the style of it like the it felt like it was yeah it was definitely a breath of fresh air when i was watching it yeah it's great it's so good to have uh funny ones in here too you know like as much as i love the serious and dramatic ones man the funny ones are always on point you know and like the um like the next one kill team kill you know (laughs) man this one was wild this was I think this one had me laughing the most of just how over the top it was, you know? I'm, I mean, I'm a, I'm a sucker for, like, stupid robots and this level, like, level of, like, 80s machismo. Like, I think <laughs> yeah. it's so much fun. Dude, the, mas- the masculinity was just oozing out of the screen with all their their muscles and the sweats and the blood yeah i know 100 <laughs> like they're like obviously there's like some jokes that aren't gonna land for you depending on how you're like feeling about it like you know like it opens with someone peeing on your face and <laughs> yeah. like it's like mm, i don't need that but <laughs> at the same time it like leans into like okay no like i get like the the vibe of these characters oh, like yeah. they're like and like the story that i'm getting out of this and the freaking bear when it shows up and they're calling it a honey badger mm-hmm. i was like this a dated joke and i think it's freaking hilarious i mean yeah and like it's so over the top and so like silly that it's so hard to even take seriously and i think that's the whole point it's just fun they even use the wrong terminology almost on purpose when they're just talking out loud being their like overly masculine selves you know yeah like Man, um I, I i was so fun to see like uh i guess just another booth of like another genre that people know all about you know yeah i think this was yeah so it was fun to, like going from like the the mini dad to this one so that they could like ramp up a little bit more again because it was it, it literally started with you know the robot went real deep into bad traveling mm-hmm. kind of like and then pulse of the machine which is also kind of like a little more existential and then it was like all right cool you need a breather you need these two episodes which are both dumb and both 
very fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it kind of reminds me of America the Motion Picture on Netflix too. Oh yeah, that's not a good movie. Nope. But it's it's a really bad movie in a really dumb, fun way. You know? I, oh man, that movie was so dumb. <laughs> that movie was so dumb. <laughs> like God, it was so dumb. And like the craziest part about it, when I was watching that movie, kind of like this uh, short, it was like there are some actually solid animation work in like the beginning and throughout that movie yeah some of the action scenes were so well choreographed and like done and like it was just like man this this does a lot to elevate this really bad trashy movie that i would probably watch with a bunch of friends you know if i at a different time kind of like this i'd watch a movie of this of these guys or these this kind of concept with friends and just laugh at the dumb absurdity of it all yeah, I bet, I bet it would. It definitely felt like one, one of the things that I was like, yeah, no, I would watch more of this. If you had more story to tell, and I definitely feel like it would have been a lot of, they, they could have definitely had a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does lead us into a more serious story. So we're done with the little lightheartedness for now. Yeah, I don't um, really have anything else to say about that one, man. I'm, and it's, it's based off a book series that I think is equally probably as absurd and probably a fun read. But yeah, oh, great. I, yeah, I think it's called, uh, the series is called Snafu. Okay. It has, uh, I, I think uh, this one was from uh, one of the books that has like a shark biceps and muscles on the front cover of it. We could talk about the next but, one. Yeah, so the next one I know is based off of a short story. And I know because I saw a lot of people discussing this one. Uh, this is the only one, The Swarm, mm-hmm. the, the sixth episode. Uh, the only one that I knew for sure was like based off a short story. Because people were like, oh, where does it go? What happens? And people were like, yeah, nah, that's the end of the short story. Sucks to be you. Really? I, I didn't know anything about this one. I went in completely fresh into this yeah, I mean, I did too. I just was like looking at what people's reaction to it was. I didn't see much about this one online. I saw more about uh, one coming up, but yeah. this one was, I feel like the one later, Jabbar, is the one I saw the most of because people were really vibing with the aesthetic and the look of it all. Yeah. But this one kind of built up and the discussion built up after the show had come out. People got a chance to digest and talk about it because this one was pretty interesting. Yeah, this one was, uh, it, it was very simple in regards to like the storytelling. Like it's very much just like one person explains another thing to another person for the majority of it mm-hmm. right it's just like this is how it works this is what you're going to be dealing with this is what we're going to be doing for the next like x amount of time and you it's it's not super complex in regards to like what's going on in the story but the setup is really good in regards to like the payoff for it all mm-hmm. feels really well earned uh, yeah. because you do get like just like tiny bit from that like exposition that you're going to be like okay no like that like ties into everything in the the twist and payoff at the end of it <laughs> no no i i get i get what you mean something i really enjoyed about the beginning of this one was getting to see another alien species look completely unhumanoid or not yeah. humanoid and still being able to like engage with the humanoid person and it felt it adds to that like bigger galactic feeling of it's like a short or quick way to world build in a very nice way where you're like oh i guess because of this one interaction humanity is spacefaring they've come into contact with intelligent life they aren't trading like it just you know you can keep guessing at the bigger world just solely off one constructed scene i think this that moment was a pretty good example of like really creative and well done world building with just a little bit of detail you know yeah and and like i like you know i was saying with the exposition i feel like that's really well done as well where you get explained you know the 
the audience is explained through the, you know the characters that the, how the swarm works and mm-hmm. how they lack sentience and all these things and just like the concept of how everything is handled in that society quote-unquote mm-hmm. society and it's like okay yeah no i get that and then when it comes to the ending you get this rev revelation where it's like oh yeah no it's totally within the parameters of what you have set up that this is what would happen yeah and the leap that went that you get from the beginning of their society to where they are at the end of the short it's like oh yeah no 100 percent, i get why this happened and the little things that you have done in this story because it's mm-hmm. not very long obviously yeah like just perfectly just ran into it and it feels really complete and i very much enjoyed this one because it was like it didn't it was able to handle and juggle like very heavy ideas but in like a very concise way yeah i really like this story because it feels like an origin movie and origin story kind of like there's a potential for something to be expanded upon it's like reading the first chapter of a of a book that you're like oh man i'm excited to see what happens with this alien species you know like um yeah. the way they were describing the aliens and like how these aliens became modified and they don't have sentience and stuff it kind of reminded me of this book or pdf creation that i was like super obsessed with i would say like a few months ago called all tomorrows did you uh have you ever heard of it no i haven't basically it's called all tomorrows a billion year chronicle of the myriad of species of mixed fortunes of man it came out in like 2006 from a pen name of this turkish artist okay. cm kozerman right anyways it the whole pdf is basically a really short read about like what would happen if you were to follow humans on the like timeline of not like a million years but like a billion years you know because of a billion is a fuck ton of time right oh man like the it's hard to imagine how long a billion is it's yeah considering that like on earth when we look at dinosaurs and extinct species it's nowhere near a billion you know so the thing that i think that pdf and that story does really well is kind of just like this really bizarre imagining of like how evolution can take place for humanity over the course of a billion years because the story doesn't really follow like the war would happen right it's just like that this alien race completely genetically alters humanity to like unrecognizable states and this story kind of reminds me of that point in that story where you know, these aliens could have been anything at some point, but because of their like interference by a stronger or more knowledgeable or just specifically adapted species of alien was able to win whatever altercation happened between them. The result was this seemingly unsentient species that at one point very much could have been intelligent. And I think the ending scene of this short kind of gives you the hint that humanity, no matter, you know, how strong we think we are, probably aren't going to be faring a good result at the end of it all because they seem to be very adept at absorbing species and using them for their hive mind, right? Yeah, no, it was, yeah, it, it was definitely like the, the span of time and in regards to like that, yeah, that concept in particular where it's like, yeah, like what does it mean? Like what will, what would like our, our race be mm-hmm. in the span of time like that, that this species operates on, right? Like they mentioned it specifically, like we operate on a different time scale than you because we've been around for so long. And yeah. so like the idea that like, like how does that, how, 
about like what what does mm-hmm. humanity become when you've reached that level and, and i mean it was very cool i liked it visually a lot like the designs were really strong and design was like oh that's terrifying <laughs> <laughs> yeah man especially that shot of that brain-like creature being at the very end with the yeah. kind of like body horror of the human being like absorbed into it man talk about unnerving and very well to like establish a horrific possible future for humanity going forward you know like what a like a, like i said this feels like such a good origin first chapter first episode of a longer series too yeah, which is why that's why I, when, when I, I told you like the thing that i heard the most about this episode was like is there more like i know it's based off the of stories or more to it and people were like nah you're that's it that's all you got <laughs> yeah it's kind of like um like that one story i talked about just a second ago man that would be a great episode or adaptation to do in like a documentary style format i have friends who've probably heard me talk obsessively about this one story i read and i was like super into but yeah man i love when sci-fi kind of does something really cool like this it's not like the most original thing but like it's super cool to see executed really well okay i I don't know if i have as good as a segue as we previously had for the other ones but uh, talking about another good fusion of another episode the next one mason's rats was really fun you know so this one was super fun for me uh i know i know the one of the people who worked on it is joe abercrombie he's a pretty decent like he's a pretty big writer not necessarily of shows he's a like mostly of books and stuff so it was very interesting to see like how his tone translated into into this style of story and it was very i was like so i was like man this is actually this this came across really well i think it was very good as um again it's more it's one of the more humorous ones which is all which also helps it (laughs) but it's also like very dark given that it's still humorous Mm -hmm. still humorous (laughs) yeah i mean there's definitely the previous one swarm didn't have any more to read upon but this one is like three short stories that you could read and they're i think it's like three bucks on amazon kindle or whatever okay but yeah i'm it's one of those writers that is pretty prominent in this series let me see neil asher yeah neil asher okay i think he's has a few stories in this series or comes back to help write with the series but yeah man this one was a lot of fun it was super dark and it was like uh very very vaguely but so I've had the feeling of like Watership Down. This one, Mason's Rats, has Watership Down vibes to it. <laughs> you know, just the the war, the carnage. Like, don't leave a fellow soldier behind, and then they just have to persevere against this murder machine of like humanity, science, and stuff. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's very fun. The reason it's mostly like more of a fun story than it is like a horror, like terrifying, like tragedy, is because you get the perspective of the farmer the entire time. Yeah, because if you shift it to the rats, then you get like, ah, oh, yeah. The the heroic sacrifices and like the, the mm-hmm. gruesome death but because you were with the farmer the entire time you're like oh fuck this is just like really nasty <laughs> yeah he, he, he's just kind of like god this is i think i fucked up i think this is a fucked up thing to do and like i feel like the first sign of that is when the robot accidentally killed his cat who had a name and he was very torn up about which i really like i i, I feel like it's not fun when stories kind of just blow off a person's attachment to their animal or like pet being like who cares it's just a cat or a dog but like he looked a little sad and it was nice it was a nice detail to see and, and like it was and he, he you could tell that he was like oh man maybe i sh- yeah i shouldn't be doing this to these rats <laughs> yeah and then like the robot comes out and you don't see all the carnage either it's just kind of implied but you get to see a little bit of it and the little you see is just so graphic <laughs> if it wasn't for the animated style and his reaction just being like jesus christ is that a pile of dead rat corpses and like when, when he like when the robot like murders one of them by like throwing it in the air and then like basically 
basically like shooting it endlessly in like a beam of light it felt like and then it's like no that was that seems like a little much yeah it was just like can a robot actually enjoy murdering like like rats to this extent because jesus man definitely felt like it yeah <laughs> it was like oh man if, if you know anyone that isn't super comfortable with any form of like animal death this might not be the best episode to show them because i cannot handle animals death in movies really well like i really like that website does the dog die because oh man i <laughs> it just it's just that weak point for me man it's just ugh. but this one wasn't as bad because of the almost comical nature of the absurd graphic death viscera you know yeah oh man and i really like how it ends it's just a, a nice being like all right truce i've gone too far with this you guys whatever the, whatever you were doing this was not worth it truce truce and they just have that little like tiny cup of alcohol and he's like oh damn good this was good great touch uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, mean, I like yeah i think this was one of one of my favorite I, again i only have like a couple of them but mm-hmm. they're very much like uh that, this one was very much like it hit it hit, <laughs> it hit like like yeah there's there's this one's fun i like this one yeah. a lot yeah kind of um, like dark humor kind of uh jokes right yeah it is and it wasn't like it but it wasn't as dumb it felt like it was like a an enjoyment that i had from the dumb humor of the night of many dead and kill team kill yeah uh, and this one <laughs> felt more of a like a clever humor to it mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah no for sure sure <laughs> but going from one of the ones that i very much enjoyed i did not enjoy in vaulted halls and tomb <laughs> yeah actually neither did i I thought it was a relatively weak one, even though I've seen uh, some discourse online talking about how this some people really like this one. Really? Yeah. I felt like this was like the weakest one, probably. I I agree. I don't think this one was as strong. I, I know what it was going for and how it wanted to feel like a Lovecraftian vibe to it, but it just, it was just okay, you know? Yeah, so, okay, so the, the progression of the story, right, for some reason, and I don't know if it's just that, like, we've seen this kind of stuff a bunch, or it was, like, something in it made me think of I think what it was, I think I watched this up the the series this season in, in two sitting. Okay. Right? Yeah. So I watched like the first half. Yeah, so like the first I think I finished with Night of the Mini Dead one day and then mm-hmm. I picked up with Kill Team Kill, right? Oh man, what a what a good stopping point for one and then still pick, come back and watch the rest. I feel like that was a I feel like if anybody does that, that's what they should do. They're gonna do it in two. But I think Swarm kind of killed Involved Halls for me because something about the creature design of like the like bugs mm-hmm. or whatever yeah. in the beginning i don't know if it like was like if it was swarm that like kicked it off for me or it was like oh this just kind of feels like the creatures from swarm not mm-hmm. necessarily visually but like in regards to like design where it's like oh yeah if you do this these creatures are gonna do this to you right yeah yeah and sure it felt like more of like uh it gave me that you know there's like the classic like oh you're in like the belly of a beast uh the autoimmune system is gonna like attack these invaders even though like you don't think of them and like on that level of scale right mm-hmm. and so that's so it made me think of swarm because swarm had like the warriors that are like oh if you do this you're gonna get hurt and so i, I think maybe i watched those a little too close together mm-hmm. um to like make it where it was like yeah no this concept isn't new it's not very interesting um I, yeah uh-huh. uh the animation definitely didn't help uh <laughs> because i thought the character designs were really not the character designs but the character models were really weak mm-hmm. i knew the one other guy was joe Magnello, mm-hmm. but i was like man it looks kind of ugly <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> for the most part not all of it because i think mm-hmm. at the very end uh visually it looks super crazy oh yeah the the ending kind of sticks the landing or raises it up quite a bit for me the the thing that get, i think i, I think, think the scale the... also isn't terrible like the like mm-hmm. how large and how small things are oh yeah yeah i think that's what it really i like about this i don't like the story too much up until they get to that huge really i guess lovecraftian altar sites of unholy demonic monstrosity whatever yeah. right like i think the story might work better if the team or the main protagonist was different i i really like stories like this when they're done right the idea of like you know this otherworldly cosmic creature of unnameable description is really fun to me i'm a big fan of like that aspect of lovecraftian horror i think the thing that gets me that's kind of like oh i've seen this a million times or whatever it's just i kind of wish it wasn't another mercenary group or soldier group or people with guns to be all cool and deadly and yet they can't handle this foe of undetermined creature design or whatever right it's weird because it's like if if it was like you know you're mentioning that right and you can be like oh it's kind of like kill team kill mm-hmm. and i'm like but i would have preferred to see those guys do, do this oh yeah yeah it's it's fun when if those if those guys were up against something like this that would be hilarious right but like this just takes it so serious and it takes it serious in a way that i've seen so many times right like i don't know it would have been cool if you kind of juxtapose that lovecraftian monster with something like i don't know like a little child and you're just like what the fuck how did this child get here how did they manage to get through this crazy gauntlet of monsters why is this person there and then like if they come out at the end and they're like fine and they're just like oh shit something's gonna happen and because like how are they fine you know or just something more creative with this approach or this story you know yeah yeah it just wasn't like my favorite probably fine and if you really like this one that's awesome just wasn't for me you know yeah I, i personally think this is my least favorite so i don't yeah. um well mm, i don't know <laughs> so we're gonna go to the one that i met i like kind of alluded to the most in this entire entire conversation same, same here because i think i i think i know where this is going because this is probably one of my favorite episodes of this season oh, okay so jibaro or something like that I, I think, yeah yeah i'm gonna say it like that because i think that's how they pronounce it uh, so yeah if I, if I want to use my non-accented speech right jibaro jibaro yeah if i want to use my my accented language right so jibaro yeah mm-hmm. but yeah dude so this is probably this is your favorite one of my favorites yeah it's hard okay. i don't think i have a number one but it's like you know top three top four whatever yeah top, top favorites it's hard for me to decide how i feel about this one i'm not necessarily saying it's bad mm-hmm. it definitely falls into the category and and i know you i think you've you've definitely watched the movie but i'm sure it'll fall into the category for a lot of people of uncut gems where it's intentionally trying to make you uncomfortable oh yeah yeah no i i i can see that i can see what you mean by that yeah <laughs> i may only say that because yo the sound design on this episode hurt <laughs> well i think that, i was like I, I think that was like one of the most amazing parts of it i think that was super creative oh no i mean like i i appreciate it i mm-hmm. uh you know we you know we talked about the how 
house and how I hated mm-hmm. the 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 one that was like super nasty to me. But yeah, yeah. for this one, it was like, yo, like I, I have sensitive ears already to begin with. Mm-hmm. So when you do this, when you do all the the, the sound and stuff, it got to the mm-hmm. point where I was watching it and it got so overbearing that I muted it. Oh, really? Yeah, it was just not like it's literally uncomfortable, which is like wow, that's, that's it's not like a it's, it's not like a critique of it because I know that's probably what they were going for based off mm-hmm. of like the characters and like the way yeah. they decided to like design the situation, right? But it was yeah, well, the main the main antagonist is like a siren. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it didn't make for a comfortable viewing experience. Not necessarily be- making it meaning it's bad, but it doesn't make me. It doesn't make me like it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's like if I rated this, I, mean, I, I typically I would I used to like have like a hard rating score, mm-hmm. and for the most part, it was like cinematography, direction, stuff like that, right? Okay, yeah. And then the last one was my personal view on it, and I try to make sure that like it's not it doesn't skew the rating so much, so it's only you know it's only worth like 20 percent or whatever mm-hmm. um so it's like oh this 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 one was good it's like eight out of ten it's like why is it eight out of ten because it got like nothing out of my personal score like i'm not saying <laughs> it's bad and i'm not gonna say that it's bad but i'll tell you that i didn't personally want to watch that again <laughs> oh man that's that's i completely understand that and don't fault you for it at all but i had the complete option reaction at the end of it i was like man i can't wait to see that again I gotta I mean, show my wife. It's gorgeous. Yeah, I was like, I gotta show this one to my wife. Probably gonna be super into it, or be like, hell yeah, this is dope. You know, yeah. like she might have the same reaction you did, but I'm like, I want to show more people this one because it's so cool. It's it's visually they do a lot of cool stuff. I will say this, speaking on the visuals, and I don't know if it's my TV or what I was watching it on, mm-hmm. right? But was there like a dip in quality in the in the in the animation at point? Like, it seemed, like, really, like, not rendered completely. So, I, okay, I know what you mean. The first time I watched it, it got a little garbled with some of the effects while I was watching it. And then, yeah, but then the second time I watched it, it was, like, you know, 4K, 1080, 1260. It was really high quality, and I had no issues with it. I think it just might be, you know, if your service dropped or not. Because, like, the second time I watched it, I was like, oh, yeah, this is, it feels like I'm watching this with way more clarity than I did the first time, you know? Yeah, because there were parts of the parts when I was watching it where, like, I would see, like, you know, they had, like, the, the group of, like, what are they, conquistadors or soldiers or whatever? Yeah, well, I like right? I like that that's one of the aspects that I liked. It's, I think they were supposed to be conquistadors yeah. and it has this angle of like colonialism or commentary on colonialism but yeah they were some kind of conquistadors yeah so like but like i would look at them in their armor and stuff looked like unrendered and like p like i was like i I'd very rarely ever throw this critique out there because i don't think it's actually like valid in any way but mm-hmm. it's like it looks like i was like this looks like like ps2 graphics right <laughs> and i was like why the heck is it doing that because like it'll switch over and i'll be like yo this looks like a real person and then yeah. it will switch back to another thing and be like this looks like a ps2 game <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean recently corridor digital did an episode where they briefly talked about one of the other episodes in this series that had the same animation studio behind it right yeah. I, th- I think you and i both watched their content and they it was one of their cgi artists breakdown reacts kind of episodes yeah i love corridor digital yeah me too and they had the uh one of the people that was a big fan of it talking about the cgi and it's cool to know that this whole episode was completely cgi so i think it might just come down to you know bandwidth quality and the second time i watched it i also got a really high quality version so it just might have come down to like the rendering of like of my 
of my service. Yeah, maybe, dude. You know, it happens sometimes. Like, yeah, because there are points where it's like, oh my god, this is gorgeous. Like, I'm seeing, I like the detail, and this is amazing. Mm-hmm. And other parts where I'm like, yo, did they visually drop the quality so that it also pisses me off? <laughs> no, <laughs> and I, I thought that was what was happening too. Where it was like, okay, so and it was crazy. And I say this because it was crazy because it mostly happened when it was like the siren was always in like 4K. Mm-hmm. And then everybody else was like, yo, PS2 graphics. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, maybe. I didn't think I experienced it that heavily. I, it might have also been that I was like really engaged and I was like, yeah, I was like, whoa, man, this is so cool because I love when the siren starts her like screeches. Yeah. And you just see like the conquistadors lose what's seemingly like all body autonomy and they're just yeah, they're, like dancing and like swinging their swords yeah, around. It's like this weird dance flail of like death where they just keep hurting each other. It didn't immediately click for me that the conquistador that survived was death. I was just yeah. like watching it and experiencing it. And I was like, oh, it's interesting that the um, sound kind of cuts off a bit. And it's like, I guess he's just super distracted and that maybe is the key that helped him survive right that piece of gold that he was looking at or what or the thing he was he picked up from the river yeah. and so when all this carnage is going on around him i'm like yo what the fuck is going on like how is he how's this dude not being affected by this right and then like kind of just plays on and i think for me what i enjoyed was this one just had a lot to dig and like try to analyze you know like i don't know yeah it was it was very much you got a lot of character out of both of the people without any of of like without any dialogue you and it got like the implications of certain actions and the way they go about doing certain things mm. not just like yeah obviously not to like spoil too much but it was like yo it was like there's like a level of gruesomeness to it of like tragedy and arrogance and like it was there's so much yeah that they packed in story-wise that like like i said i like my personal view of it was like yo I hated watching this because the sound was like terrible. Yeah. But like, if you're, if you're, if, you're, if someone's like, Anthony, what did you think of it? I was like, yo, it was like really well done. <laughs> the story was really well told and the animation was great. And the way that they went about like telling the story really worked. I just, just mute it for me, please, because <laughs> I don't need to hear it. But I, I like, and it was, it's interesting that they do such a good job. Like, some, I'm sure someone will be like, yo, you muted it. You like missed part of like, you kind of miss something at the end of it and i'm like mm, i don't think you do because i get i like visually i can still understand what's going on and understand the implications of what people's actions are and how they're reacting to certain things happening if that makes sense yeah no i get that i think you do lose a little bit of it because with the main uh creature being a siren and the way the sound effects are mixed and the sound editing it feels like it's in it's pretty intrinsic to the 15 minute long episode where all the chaos that's happening like you mentioned maybe kind of like uncut gems is a part of the viewing experience right where you're just supposed to feel taken aback and like thrown off guard and stuff but did you like um take something away from it like i know we were talking about how there was a lot of people talking about this one like i've seen like articles i have one pulled up that's like the director says that this Jibaro was a uh, depiction of relationships between predators and I was like oh that's a pretty interesting take or acknowledgement because I didn't really pick up on that the first time I've seen someone else maybe it was a different article talking about how this is kind of like a you know um, like a indigenous tribe revenge story or like something about colonialism you know did you pick anything up like that Um, I thought it was I did like the there was like a base level of like relationships that I kind of got out of it where it's like this person 
person you know like the basic idea where they're like you know of the siren mm-hmm. having the like the way that they are naturally mm-hmm. just caught like have like leads to a, a very lonely life for them and the idea that like maybe one time that they think that they have the ability to be with someone that person isn't necessarily good for them yeah. and doesn't have their best intention in heart and so like i get like that level of like toxicity and relationships and stuff like that i didn't think about it as like a oh both people are incredibly toxic and i guess i should have because obviously you could in a way like i wouldn't fault anyone for being like yeah fuck the conquistadors those you know brutalizing horrible like baiters from another land you know yeah like it, it would it would not be too surprising if someone took that away from this because i really enjoyed seeing such a well done depiction of a siren like i feel like i don't yeah. see that a lot you know and it was so cool it was, it was very unique in that regard too because mm-hmm. usually it's like you know like a typical like pretend the little mermaid singing like kind of siren where it's like so beautiful and like yeah they're deadly and they turn real ugly when you get close to them but like usually it's like seductive in the way it works and the way that they did her her call in this one mm-hmm. was like yo this kind of sucks <laughs> yeah well now that i've you know it came out i've watched it and I've looked into how people are responding to it and articles come in i really like it more because there's so many more aspects of it that i was like wow that's that is a pretty cool detail i didn't pick up the first time like for me i thought it was really cool how she was covered in all this jangly like jewelry and like clothes and it, it was kind of like an aspect of the sound and the siren you know monster um characteristic to her and then it was also like oh i guess you could see it as like these conquistadors searching for gold in this exotic country and now they're like greed has come reckoning towards them in the form of a woman that wears what they desire the most and murders them all with it or something you know yeah i think like uh i don't i wish like i i'm i wish i could like elaborate better on like the themes that i think it had uh i think it is i definitely is probably the one that like elicits the most conversation um in regards to like looking at themes and stuff i mean the art style does a lot too right yeah the art style and the way that they decide to uh, do the sound design where it's like clearly that means something like okay so we've designed a bunch of characters who are naturally when they move around they're so loud and it's distracting it's like what does that mean thematically like what are you trying to tell me about like how these characters are just like on a sound level right and it might be that it might like you know like okay there's like parallels okay so they're both having like metal this metal like clanking that they both mm-hmm. have because of the the coins and the metal skin and uh, armor and stuff like that then he has silver armor she has gold you know gold uh she's like gold scales or something gold coverings would probably be a good description yeah. right yeah because it was like i know she was like sharp i wasn't sure if it was like maybe like a shark scale where it's like if you rub a shark it's rough and you can i mean that oh. might be part like purposeful design to kind of highlight her siren aspect yeah and so it was like okay so like you know there's parallels and color and sound for both characters one obviously there's death there are sirens so there's like a playing on the sound aspect of it in that regard so it's like i think it has like a lot of the stuff that you can like okay so what do these people symbolize what do these people like what does it mean when these people do this mm-hmm. right and it's 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 very interesting to like just like dig into like the de- the details of this one uh while i think a lot of them are a little bit more straightforward and arguably the other one that's not as straightforward is you know bad traveling which i think is like one of the best ones as well mm-hmm. it's like yeah like there's both of them like have like a lot to discuss yeah i mean i i didn't pick up on 
so a lot of these at first watching it, but it's kind of like one of those, I don't know if you ever have this viewing experience where you watch something and you kind of feel like there's more there, but you just aren't aware of it just yet until it takes time to process, you know? Yeah, I, feel, I mean, I feel like that time, I tr- that's why that's what I look for in movies, man, and, and TV shows. Like the, I try to get as much out of things as I can. And if there's not something there, then I like kind of, it kind of disappoints me, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes, you know, sometimes there's like an art to the simplicity of things, but sometimes it's like, there's like a, a lack of care in, in it as well, right? Like for example, like Night of the Mini Dead is a very simple story, right? It's yeah. very simplistic. They don't really do anything that's like overt, but you can tell the craft and care they put into like doing the story. Yeah that it worked but like well you know i've complained about a number of movies <laughs> over over the the this podcast where it's like yeah no like just because it's fine doesn't mean like i pre like there's nothing there's no meat there it's just like okay yeah i mean i've, you know? I've been nitpicky at times too and not that you've been nitpicky but like yeah sometimes i'm just like look it's fine but sometimes it just feels like there's there's something here that could be better or well better done or expanded upon in a way to make this thing stronger stronger or, or maybe reduce some of this and it's just like um it's like in this one i can see there's more to it and i want to analyze it because it's well done and sometimes there's a movie where i'm like this was fine i can see there's good things here and i wish or more of these good things to make this thing better <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. To, to dial it back into the to the conversation about the ending this one about love death and robots right man i really like this series i really want to see more of it i'm super hyped for a potential season four if netflix doesn't cancel um, yeah it. i'm man I, for me personally i love anime i just adore animation that's my favorite not my favorite medium but it's my favorite like approach to storytelling i tell people all the time i was like i'm, I'm a big comic book reader i read regular books and i watch movies and Pretty much i consume stories any way i can right and i've told people like no matter what the best way to, for you to tell this story nine times out of ten is animated and like with love death and robots man i just really like how the style changes you get something new and you get to see such a cool artistic depiction of stories in like different mediums and genres and like i just want another season man or another spiritual successor to this show eventually if it ever gets canceled yeah. you know i i i've heard complaints that some people think that they have a lot of samey styles throughout the three seasons i haven't watched all three seasons so i don't know if that's true for me personally just this season alone even that the you know the 3d animated ones are vastly different the 2d-esque ones to kill team kill is 2d mm-hmm. but then also uh the pulse of the machine is 2d-esque right yeah and in that regard it's like oh these you know you can get so much mileage out of these stylistic choices and all these styles that i was like i i just want people to realize it's like yo like you can do so much and you can appro- uh, pre like appreciate so much of the story and style from it being animated like Okay, this is uh, we're gonna, I'm gonna go back to anime for like a sec. No, never mind. We're not doing this. <laughs> we're gonna, we gotta wrap it up. To, I, if it's me, man, I'm sorry to keep drawing you in. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. I got. I've got to wrap it up. I think that it's perfectly possible with film technique and camera editing and all that stuff. Perfectly reasonable to be like, look, just maybe sometimes this stuff looks better when you animate it. Because I'm be honest, the best looking Spider-Man movie of all time is an animated Spider-Man movie. And, <laughs> and no matter how many times you animate a really good CGI sequence on a in a live action one, at 
CGI sequences animation. <laughs> Either that or just go for a style, man. Just commit to a style and don't don't deviate from it. You know, just stick with it, right? Yeah, but there's a lot of artistic integrity that we can see in a lot of work, especially here in Love, Death, and Robots, right? You could see the craft and the passion that are put by these animators that I think we need to see a lot more of in our films and we need to expect a lot more from, from our films. I don't like, we've had a number of conversations about movies that I personally will say that don't have this level of care put into them. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you'll see the difference between our conversations. I personally will say that don't have this level of care put into them. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you'll see the difference between our conversations about movies that have that care to it. <laughs> and I'm saying, like you know but i'm saying like there, there's very clear different levels of quality and how much people can resonate with those things whether like you know it only enhance uh, good craftsmanship only enhances a film mm -hmm. right yeah and i wish i saw that more and i think that we got a lot of that here and it makes me really like see the this season of Love, Death, and Robots. I don't know about the rest of them. I don't know about any of the other episodes, really. But at least this season, I appreciated a lot of the craft that was on display. Yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly. I think I love the series overall. I there's some ones that are probably still like my favorites. If I'm talking about the series as a whole, I think it's going to be really hard for anything to top the emotional connection I had to. Um, uh, Zima Blue. Uh, Zima Blue. Yeah, man. I, I've mentioned it to you before, but like... Oh, no. I saw that one. That one's great. That one's the best one. Yeah. It's it's like I had the feeling that some people or you might have or some people are listening. If they ever look at a piece of abstract art and for some reason it just connects with them. And man, that's, that episode just really hit really well for me, man. So yeah, that's probably still my favorite episode of the series as a, overall. But like, it's such a wonderful show. And I think if you haven't seen any of Love, Death, and Robots listening to this, you just decided to listen to some guys talk about season three of a show for some reason. That's cool, man, but it, you should go check it out. And with that, I think I want to say thanks for listening to this episode of Just Pick Something Podcast. Go check out the show. Go watch the series. Watch individual episodes. It doesn't really matter. You can enjoy it all independently, individually, or all together as one cohesive show. It's so much fun. And with that, thanks for listening. The intro and outro song for this episode and this podcast is VHS Dreams by Sean Ivers. Link in the description as usual. And until next time.